Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. Howdy, howdy. It's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Everyone and welcome to Midday Super Talk Mississippi. I'm your host Gerard Gibbert, along with Rhino in the Element Wealth Studios, guiding you through the middle of your day with facts, fodder, and fine music. On this Friday, y'all, we made it once again. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a it's a delightful day out there, springy type day, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a little warmer than it has been, but. I don't think it's going to hit the 80s except for everybody south of us. I think that's right. But uh, enjoy it while you can, because right around the corner it's going to be hot and steamy, probably, as it typically gets here in Mississippi. In the summer, we wouldn't trade And nobody will be ready for it. Nobody will <laughs> be acclimated, because we've had such a mild spring. That's true. And a wet one, too. So, you got your shorts on today? I do. I do, too, today. I decided to come in a little Friday casual... We've got a couple of guests, nobody in the studio today, but we've got Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News at 1120, and then Rob Sigler at 1205, opinion contributor, Super Talk Mississippi News. And he's going to talk about April being Child Abuse Prevention Month. He recently authored an article on the matter. And so Rob will fill us in on his thoughts on child abuse, and this being the month we we think about that. So, might you have at your disposal the breaking news theme? Somewhere around here. (laughs) Uh, There you go. Okay, there you go. That, of course, the iconic NBC breaking news. <laughs> With a little bit of Star Trek clacking in the background. <laughs> oh, gosh. So, I'm going to declare right here and now that the Washington Post is listening to middays. <laughs> and here's why. Because... Glenn Kessler, also known as the fact checker at the Washington Post, you know, they're the folks that issue the Pinocchios. (laughs) President Joe Biden has earned a bottomless Pinocchio. And you know how they define that. That's when you get, what, three or four 
But uh, Pinocchio's on something you say that they claim to be untrue in accordance uh, with their fact-checking. But if you repeat it, I think at least 20 times, you get the bottomless Pinocchio. When it's no longer, uh, oops, he lied, it's become propaganda. (laughs) Right. So, it turns out that Mr. Kessler, the fact-checker at the Washington Post, has issued a bottomless Pinocchio to Joe Biden on his claims about reducing the deficit. They've been listening to us, I'm telling you. They finally did the math that we've been talking about for months. And they figured out, oh, Joe, he ain't telling the truth on this. Duh, we tried to tell you jerks that. So he lays it out, just as we have. Well, see, the facts are... When you look at the deficit, it is true that in 2020, a $3.1 trillion deficit was produced for the fiscal year 2020. And it is true that in 2021, that trickled down, to use their terminology, to $2.8 trillion. And then it did go down to $1.4 trillion last year. But it's all because of that stupid COVID spending which was an anomaly, as we have explained countless times. Well, yeah, you're the one that spent it. And then you're bragging because you just didn't make that same fatal error again. So they finally got it. You see, Biden enacted pandemic funds, additional funds, on top of the funds that were appropriated in 2020, and he, he said, no, 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 hold my beer. Here's another $1.9 trillion. And, of course, that resulted in a deficit of $2.8, which, which is insane on, in its own right, $300 billion less than the 2020, the big COVID year, the last Trump year. And then he just didn't spend that again in the next year. And so we got a one point nearly $1.4 trillion deficit. So the only, I think, meaningful way to present this data and to measure it is to just get rid of the COVID spending component. Exclude that from the calculations. Not that it didn't happen. I'm simply suggesting that in order to provide a fair comparison. Present a fair comparison. And so he goes through the details in this article where, he, where the headline is, Biden's misleading deficit claim earns him a bottomless Pinocchio. And they've got this graphic in here, Rhino, that's got this pile of Pinocchios in the shape of a pyramid. I feel like they could have gone with slightly different terminology. Yeah. Like maybe limitless Pinocchios or infinite <laughs> Pinocchios, because usually when you think of bottomless and something that personifies a humanoid shape, it's not the same as like a bottomless margarita. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> a bottomless Pinocchio would be Pinocchio not wearing pants. Infinite Pinocchio. I like that. Limitless, isn't that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. A mountain o Pinocchio. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like. So, again, he just explains what we have multiple times. Well, you're comparing based on this 
aberrational, one-time sort of COVID spending. I say sort of because we did it in 2020. We did not need to do it in 2021, right when he got office, the so-called American Rescue Plan. He said that, <laughs> the fact checker, we'd previously given Biden a bottomless Pinocchio for claiming without any evidence that he's traveled 17,000 miles with Chinese President Xi Jinping. He's still saying that, mostly, most recently during a speech to the Irish Parliament just two weeks ago. He's still making that claim, and it never happened. Because he's still using the Democrat playbook from the 80s where nobody calls them on their crap. (laughs) Because the Internet and social media didn't exist. You didn't have the world's information at your fingertips. So true. You actually had to have somebody go and investigate it, and you had limited time and energy to do it in. We we have, like, instant empirical fact-checkers, right, that are everywhere. Which just goes to show the man's been lying his tail off for the majority of his adult life. I I think there's no question about that. So they said, he keeps saying this about the deficit, his claims on the deficit reduction, over and over. By our count, this according to the Washington Post fact-checker, at least 30 times (laughs) since June of last year he's taken credit for reducing the budget Deficit by $1.7 trillion. 30 times. I think we've played sound on our air here where he states that. And, of course, that drives me up into a frenzy because it's just a lie. And so the fact checker has uh, agreed. So there you go. People deserve the truth at a minimum from their government, even when the news isn't good. But in uh, in effect, they're more concerned about what is politically expedient so they can keep their cushy gig. 78% in a recent poll of the nation. By the way, this is NBC. Hardly a right-wing media outfit. 78%, according to their, to their poll, just last week are pessimistic about the economy. The president has a 37% approval rating, yet he's the obvious odds-on favorite to be the nominee for the Democrats. Well, you say that. RFK Jr.'s numbers seem to keep doubling. They're up a little bit, yeah. He's like 19%. But they were single digits just a couple weeks ago. That's very true. Again, Just be honest. But the problem is, if he's honest about the economy, about the border, about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, about crime, about his cushy relationship with China, and the wacky stuff they want to brainwash our kids with, if he's honest about all that, well, then it's admitting failure. And he's not going to do that. Nor are his surrogates, including Karine Jean-Pierre, who goes to the podium and just tells falsehoods every day. It's time for a break here on Middays. We're coming right back. Just getting started. Check it out. Let's do this. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. 
We are back. We're in the Element Well Studios. Are you thinking about or planning for retirement? Do you have a plan? Go to myelementwealth.com or call 601-957-6006 to let Element Wealth help you find your balance between income, growth, and guarantees. A friend sent me a text, said, so Biden has done some things you don't agree with. (laughs) Oh, he says, you're so subtle about it. And I want to be clear. It's the policies that I loathe, that I detest, that I hold in deep contempt. Not the person. I have concerns about his cognitive ability. Who doesn't? Now, I have heard some interviews lately, some, some sound, some video, seen some video of hardcore Biden supporters. Oh, he's been fantastic. He's been great. we got to send him back. I'd just love to have a conversation with him and ask, what specifically has he done that has improved the quality of your life? Specifically. And, and they're focusing on this narrative, the Biden campaign. We've got to protect democracy. The soul of America. Yeah. And your freedom. What are they talking about? I really believe they're going to link that. They're talking out their neck, (laughs) and that's being nice. I could have picked another body part that would have made a lot more sense. I'm going to say again what James Carville, consultant to Bill Clinton, famously said, it's the economy, stupid. And I think Republicans would do well to focus on Biden's economic failure. I don't see how any clear-thinking person cannot see that his policies have failed. And we're just getting started. We haven't really felt the full impact of some of these destructive, harmful policies from an economic perspective. Haven't gotten there. Still in the works. And... Now, it turns out, by the way, this misnamed Inflation Reduction Act, the CBO, and we've talked about this before many times, they always come out with these initial projections and scoring, and then inevitably, a few months later, oh, we missed it. Here's the real data after it's become law. So the previous estimate by the CBO, when it was scored, was that the bill would cost $384 billion over 10 years, the climate change provisions. Now, Corrine Jean-Pierre, as recent as yesterday, says, oh no, the Inflation Reduction Act actually reduces the deficit over 10 years. Still saying that. Well, the CBOs come out and said, ah, we missed it. It looks like it's going to be more like $1.1 trillion. Oh, really? You only missed it by 4X. Now, these are a bunch of PhDs with fabulous computers and Excel spreadsheets and calculators. Oh, sorry. We missed it. What's a trillion here and there? Come on. 
Man, oh man. So, even the Washington Post says, going forward, Biden has enacted legislation that will require the federal government to borrow even more, such as, once again, bills that we have been critical of, and been critical of Republicans for supporting them. They go on to say that bipartisan infrastructure bill looks like that's going to produce at least another $400 billion of deficit. we got to go borrow money for that. And there's also a health and disability benefits for veterans exposed to toxic substances. Look, the government, I think, rightfully owes them, our veterans, no doubt. But they got the math wrong. Now it's estimated that's going to cost $300 billion more. We've got to go uh, borrow money for it. And then the, one, the other one I've railed on, the CHIPS Act. Now they say that, ah, it looks like we'll have to borrow a couple hundred billion on that. And, and this is the one that, of course, provides grants to semiconductor manufacturers to incentivize them to set up shop in this country. And then, of course, the Department of Labor said, not so fast, though. You've got to have this ridiculous child care on the property in order to receive these grants. And by the way, all the workers got to be unionized. Of course it's got a litany of strings attached. That's the way they operate. Can't get this through the Congress. Except on the debt ceiling. No strings attached No, that. That's right. Good point. The, the president has said that. No strings attached. You're it's right. almost like the CBO and the private sector have the exact opposite best practices for future projections and financial statements. Oh, because... Because when you're in the private sector and you think it's going to cost you a million dollars a year, you better plan on at least two. You got to double it. And even then, it's going to come up short more than likely. But for the government, it seems like, oh, we think this is going to cost about $500 billion, but they can't pass it for that much. Let's slide it in at two fifty. That's exactly right. To, right, to meet all the thresholds necessary to push this legislation through with a simple majority vote and all that sort of stuff. And then so they can take it. Look what the CBO said. We're cutting the deficit. And then six months later, oh, sorry, looks like it's actually going to increase. Yeah, in the private sector, you know what happens? You get punished. You get punished by your creditors, if you have any. You get punished by the market if you're a public company. You get published by the consumer market. If you missed on your cost by 4X, you're not going to be in business you're, anymore. You're bankrupt. You're done. That's exactly right. And something else you might not think so much about, but other services that you need, like insurance, for example, it figures into that. Yeah, you don't make those mistakes. And you know what? You can't sandbag either. You do that, it's trouble. Well, yeah, it really came in three times higher than we thought. <laughs> you can't do that either. You get punished. It's the way it should be. It's amazing how that works when there's market choice rather than government dictates. Government. But somehow still half the country wants to just shovel money towards the government. Yeah, take it. Do what you want to with it. We don't mind. It's astonishing. I agree. And so they will point to, it's the Trump tax cuts. That's why these deficits are going to be produced. Because they're dumber than a bag of hammers. 
Oh, if we just tax those rich people, those corporations, we could have more programs. Yeah, I, I get fired up about this because, honestly, I believe this is the central theme of the coming election. we got to make it that. I think Republicans need to place more emphasis on economic issues. And I'm not saying that the many disturbing cultural, social issues shouldn't be dealt with, that there are problems. But as far as winning at the polls, which is the goal, so that you can address those crazy, wacko social issues, we got some to share with you later. That's kind of why I slightly disagree with you on Trump's strategy. Okay. You say Trump doesn't need to spend time looking at the past. He needs to focus on the present. But I think he could win some points by simply saying, look how good you had it in 2019. Ignore the China virus. It wasn't our fault. China screwed that up for the whole world. Look how good you had it in 2019 compared to now. Well, I, I actually agree with you. So let me be, let me be more clear, more specific. Don't focus on the election being stolen. I think that's a losing strategy. Whether it was or not, that's a losing strategy. I agree with you. To contrast, think about your economic situation when I was president versus when Biden's president. I totally agree. Did your 401k plan, did it go up while I was president, or did it go down like it has under Biden? Was the cost of gas $4 a gallon, or was it 2 like it was when I was. I agree. Think about your energy bill, your food costs, your wages rising higher than the cost of living. Totally agree with you. Business, especially the small business community, they'd all say, yeah, things were a lot better. And by the way, in a sort of pernicious, subtle way, provisions of the Trump tax cuts, which I believe drove prosperity and kept inflation down because it bolstered supply, supply-side economic policy, well, those are being phased out before your eyes, and at the end of 25, they're totally gone, and your taxes are going up, and nobody is talking about it. We're coming right back in the Element Well Studios. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Welcome, welcome to our show on Super Talk Mississippi. Okay, now you have a good one. How come all the pretty girls like you are taking, baby? I've been looking for someone like you to save me. Life's too easy to be so damn complicated Take your time and I'll be waiting Keep me in mind Somewhere down the road you might We are back in the Element Well Studios Keep me in mind And So... We got some sound to play in a minute from Hakeem Jeffries. He, of course, the minority leader in the U.S. House of Representatives. This sound will be his, uh, his comments about the, the GOP bill passed by the House 
that would, um, it's really a deal, if you will, to raise the debt ceiling that calls for some spending cuts. But before we get to that, wanted to get to this question on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Hey, Gerard, Mike from Hernando. I'm 26 years old, trying to raise my credit score to a level where my wife and I and our kids can get a loan to buy a home. I need it to go up 100 points. What's the best way to do this in a timely manner? Sorry for the topic change. No, it's not a problem. It's, it's actually very timely because effective May 1st. Some information we shared here. I think we broke it before the mainstream media got onto it. Have you noticed that, Rhino? We're a couple oh, yeah. of days ahead. And that is the Federal Housing Agency. That's the, the bureaucracy that oversees Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Those are two sort of hybrid loan guarantee organizations. They are implementing rules in the name of equity where if you have a good credit score and you're responsible in handling your household financial affairs, you will pay higher mortgage rates in order to subsidize your neighbors who don't have very good credit scores and are, frankly, irresponsible in the handling of their financial affairs. It's redistribution in the name of equity. So once again, we punish success and we reward mediocrity on our march to mediocrity. But here's the deal. Mike from Hernando, the FICO score, it's Fair Isaac Corporation. This is the, the scoring system most used by lenders in, uh, in making mortgage loans, chattel mortgages, automobile loans, for example. And the, the FICO scoring system, it weights various aspects of your credit behavior most weight is given to your payment history, 35%. Just means if you're paying on time, paying in a, actually in accordance with the terms. Doesn't matter the nature of the loan, of the debt. Are you paying in accordance with the terms? And then the next highest weight, 30%, is the amount you owe. How much debt do you have? And in particular, how much debt do you have relative to credit available. So that really applies mostly to what's called revolving debt, standard credit cards. You have a credit line. You have a limit. So if you keep that below 35% of the limit, let's just say you've got a $1,000 limit, and your balance, when reported to the credit bureau, which, which occurs every time they generate a statement, if that balance is reported at $350 or below, you're going to get the highest score for that category. When you get above that 35% threshold, it starts counting off, if you will. So if, what they look at, what lenders look at is, you got this much available, all your credit cards added up, so to speak, in terms of credit limit. You got this much balance on all those combined. Are you below 35 percent? 
That's the best way. Now, the other thing is if you apply for new credit. The theory there is you're applying for new credit, that means you need help, right? You're not able to make ends meet, or more importantly, you're putting more financial pressure on your monthly expense management. Uh, the length of credit history is 15%, and, and that's pretty straightforward, as, as it sounds. The, the longer you've been handling credit, the more history you have. Well, it's easier to score. It's more in, uh, indicative of how you will perform in the future. And then the credit mix. Now, what that means is, to optimize your credit score, there's three major categories of credit that is scored. Mortgage loans, installment loans. An example of an installment loan would be like a car loan. You take a loan out for $10,000 as an example. I don't think there are any $10,000 cars. It could be a used car. And you pay so much a month for some term until it's over. So mortgage, installment, and then revolving. So it's kind of crazy, but a lot of people say, well, I don't have any debt, and then they need it, and they and their credit score gets checked, and it's not very high. Well, that's because we don't have anything to score. You don't have any history. So if you're, and you may not ever need it, and that's great, but it's a good idea in my view to try to assemble uh, a good mix of credit across these these uh, categories, and then maintain it, pay it on time, and keep the balances low. Something else that I hear people say, I'm sure you have too, Rhino, I pay my credit card off every time I get that bill. I max it out, and then I pay it off. You ever heard that? Yeah. That's not really helping you because it's maxed out at the time Correct. it's reported. That's the point. So what the credit bureau thinks is, oh, you got a $10,000 limit, and you, and you have a $10,000 balance. Man, you're, you're in trouble. Well, I paid it off the next day, but they don't know that. So the point is, you need to make those payments before the statement is produced so as to reflect that in the balance when it gets reported to the credit bureau. That's more than you probably want to know about credit scoring, but I was trying to help a 26-year-old here. What I wonder, though, is there are now services that will, say, for example, if you have an apartment you're paying rent on, if you rent from an eligible landlord, they will send to the credit bureaus examples of your good credit by paying your rent on time. That's correct. Um, but that's a sort of a special request. Right. That's not automatic. You have to use a, a service for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. But that, I mean, if you are renting, that might be something you would look into because it would be a chunk of your credit. Well, sure. And it's probably your biggest expense, and you're right. showing responsibility there. Unfortunately, without doing something special, that's not reflected in your credit right. report, as you indicated. A mortgage would be. Correct. And that, that's different. And think about it. It's because mortgage lenders pay for a relationship and in information from the credit bureaus so they can score applicants. And therefore, they, ha they also agree, well, we're going to supply you information. And the other things that are just killers on your credit is if you have a judgment or a lien. Um, garnishments. Garnishments will hurt. So get this. This is interesting. Timely. I go home yesterday and I open up a letter, and it's from a collection agency in North Carolina. 
And it's not for me personally. It's for my business. $21.62. Now, I sold the business in January of 2019. And it's from a company I've never heard of. They say it's for phone services. So, look. <laughs> that collection has probably been bought and sold 15 times since then. 21 bucks. I've never, this company, I never had a re- account or relationship with. So I call, <laughs> I call the collection agency, and they, when I start explaining it, and they look at it, it's $21. They're confused, you know, the frontline agents. They passed me on to a supervisor, and I said, What's this for? She says, well, it looks like it's some sort of phone company in Alabama. I said, we never had a relationship with such. How in the world did this come to me? And and I told her the company was sold, you know, all cash deal, 2019. So she's not, she's confused. And I said, I tell you what, to help you out and me out, <laughs> go back to your client. That'd be the people trying to collect the money. Tell them I'll Venmo them $5 and we'll make this go away. <laughs> <laughs> she she started laughing. Well, I, I I don't think I'm authorized to do that. I said you are trying to collect this twenty one dollars, right? And by the way, your commission you're going to get about three bucks off of this. The phone call costs more than that. I honestly just wanted to do it to have fun and make that five dollar Venmo offer. <laughs> So she said, well, I'm going to get some information and email that to you. Okay, you do that for this $21 that's five years old. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Crazy stuff. We're stepping aside for a break. We are in the Element Well Studios getting wound up on a Friday. Kelly Bennett coming on at 1120 and Rob Sigler at 12.05 today. the stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert, Middays with Gerard, Super Talk Mississippi. Don't forget today, Sports Talk Mississippi will be on the square in Oxford for the annual Double Decker Festival. There's a ton of things happening at this year's Double Decker Festival, including music from Southern rock band Blackberry Smoke and the Magnolia State's very own Chapel Heart. The boys of Sports Talk in Oxford today. Jimmy from Enid, Enid pardon me, on the C Spire text line, which of course is 601-879-4395, says, which of the fact-check services do you think are the most accurate and have the least bias? You know, Jimmy, I don't use them, honestly. I do my own fact-checking. I really do. So, and I welcome anybody that out there that wants to fact-check anything we say here on the show, but whenever I share this data, I've, I've vetted it personally before I come in here. And often that's official government reports and sources. It's credible media sources, but you know a lot of times in those those sorts of articles, uh, Rhino, you have li- you have links in the articles 
to the actual source documents that were that served as input into uh, the piece, and I'll go out and look at those. I read. I may be the only crazy person in the state. I read Biden's the the text of his speeches, and a lot of what I share here. That's where it comes from. It's not that I don't trust the fact checkers. It's just that I, I just feel better in this role, doing it on my own, just making sure that I have looked at it. And there's been a few times I've gotten it wrong. Not that I don't get stuff wrong, but but when I've noted that after, I've come back, always try to come back and say, I got that wrong, here's the correct information. But that's, that's our goal here. It's a lot. And, uh, but that's because there's a lot of stuff going on. But please, if you, you hear us say something and you've got something that refutes it, send it to us. Let us take a look. In fact, where is Jeff from Forest County? Where is uh, I'm more educated than you got this, on the 662? Where's, where are they today? What do they think about all this? They uh, defend it because it's their team without any actual thought process put behind it. You know, and I, I just believe we got, and, and you're probably right, I believe we've got to deal with facts and analyze facts and be honest. And it's just like I said, the president's not going to be honest about all these things that are, Americans are concerned about because they don't really serve him well in his efforts to get reelected. And I understand that politicians typically are just going to run around and toot their horn and brag about everything they've done and all the accomplishments and all the ways they've made your life better and the other guys are just terrible and uh, would be disastrous. As far as fact-checking, I would give kudos to the changes that have been made at Twitter with community notes. That's a good point. Because you are crowdsourcing the fact-checking, and in the community notes, you have the sources that you can check for yourself. That's exactly right. And do your own research and analysis. I totally agree. I think that's a great model for community fact-checking moving forward. I mean, the good news is I don't have to go to the library or read newspapers like we did when I was in school, for example. And not so long after that. The good Microfilm. news Microfilm. Yeah. Fish, right? So little one-sheeters. So that's the good news is all this is available in the palm of your hand. It just takes a little effort. And, and uh, some people just would prefer, I think, just to find someone they trust. And that's fine. And say, pretty much I believe what they say. But sometimes when you hear something that sounds a little fantastic... Probably is, and it's worth digging into that a little bit to see if if that's the case. Certainly, it was a it was a softball though for the president to run around and brag about these deficits. That's and that's just because when you start getting in all these numbers, I know people just glaze over. It it doesn't really qualify as red meat political rhetoric, but it's important. It's affecting everyone in a lot of different ways. Uh, the irresponsible economic policy, damaging economic policy, honestly. But 
He's not going to talk about that, I don't think. By the way, the IRS plans to hire gun-carrying special agents in all 50 states. We can't put people... By the way, the IRS already has 100,000 employees, staffers. Now they're going to add, of course, 87,000 based on the $80 billion of funding in the Inflation Reduction Act. And a bunch of those are going to be carrying guns. But we can't do that at the border. So we're more concerned is our government under Biden about harassing and shaking down American taxpayers than we are keeping bad guys from crossing the border. I get it. Coming right back. It's time for Fox News Super Talk News. Stay with us. And now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour two of Middays, live from the Element Well Studios. Kelly Bennett, Super Talk Mississippi News, up next at 11.20. And then Rob Sigler, opinion contributor with Super Talk Mississippi News at 12.05 on the program today. Rick and Gulfport says, remembering a few Democrats who came out of obscurity pretty quickly and won. Carter, Clinton, Obama. It's early days, yet... I agree. That's Rick at the Beach. I agree. It is. No doubt. A lot of stuff can happen. We, uh, we're just getting started, as they say. The Democrat primary, which has historically begun in the great state of Iowa, will now kick off in South Carolina. Right? But They made that change. They announced that change a few months ago. I heard an interview with Senator Joni Ernst from the great state of Iowa today, you know who she is, Senator. She said that the, uh, the Democrats have given the middle finger to middle America. Hmm. She pretty much said how she feels. How about that? Uh, let's see here on the C Spire text line. Malcolm from Tishomingo County says uh, the Biden couldn't even remember that he had just gotten back from a trip to Ireland when asked by a kid where he had been on a trip recently. It's freaking embarrassing. That is true. You may have seen that. That video's gone viral. He was addressing some youngsters, and he got asked that question. Where you been lately, honey? He couldn't remember, and he said, you know, I've been to 88 countries or something like that, and I can't remember where I've been. And Then he was also asked how many grandchildren he had, and he got that number wrong as well. But don't worry. He's completely cognitively able to fulfill his duties as commander-in-chief. Jared says, how will this present-day Joe Biden debate Donald Trump? Man, I don't know. That's going to be something. That happens. 
Chris and Tupelo reminds the bad thing is the half of the people who want to shovel money to the government are mostly not the people who are paying taxes. Well, given that 61% of the households in this country paid no taxes last year, and that 49-50% of the taxpayers, those who actually filed tax returns, they only accounted for 2.7% of the total taxes sent to the federal government. The top 50% accounted for 97.3%. But that ain't fair, according to the Democrats. That's what they say. And so what we've done here is we've, we've kind of divided the country in half. We got the producer class from the producing of income taxes perspective in that context, and the recipient class. That's what we have. And so Chris is right. It's the recipient class that's driving the narrative and the agenda. Ben from Madison says, totally agree, Gerard. We need to win. Then we can address the stupid social issues. See that that policy is in an area where Republicans can make major gains with independents and moderates. Agree. And also, you're starting to see some states get a little nervous about the abortion issue. And they're starting to kind of pull back on really pushing hard to restrict abortion. Recent polls show just under 60% of Americans still favor some sort of limited access to abortion. But some of these anti-abortion bills are actually failing this week in Nebraska and South Carolina. Bills failed. Yesterday in Nebraska and Wednesday in South Carolina. And both of these states have Republican-controlled legislatures. Nebraska had a heartbeat act that would have banned most abortions after six weeks, except in the case of rape or incest. And uh, it, it failed. And similar law in... So current law in Nebraska, by the way, is abortions are prohibited after 20 weeks. In South Carolina, the Human Life Protection Act failed as well. So this is no doubt going to figure in heavily into the 2024 election cycle, as it did in 22. It seems, however, that Republican and, and by the way, those failed because they couldn't get the necessary Republican support. So it kind of makes you wonder when you look at the agenda of the party, the principles of the party, where does pro-life rank when you see the how they, you've got some Republicans that are starting to depart from the 100% anti-abortion stance? This is going to be a complicated matter, I believe. By the way, uh, Jeff in Forest County says, I just cranked my car. I heard my name on the radio. Strange. Somebody else will have to defend our Democratic Republic because I'm working. Sometimes I'm the only one defending the USA from fascism. <laughs> Would not the producer class be the blue states California feeds you? You know, California also has the highest 
number of people that live in abject poverty. It's, it's uh, has the highest number that meet those standards, Jeff. I mean, if you want to talk about the blue states and the production of taxes that come from the blue states, I absolutely understand that, and I've, I've talked about that countless times on the show, that this state, the state of Mississippi, has the highest ratio of money that goes to the federal government relative to the money that comes back. It's actually backwards, the way I stated that. Money that comes to the federal government is 3x what we send. And so when it comes to us, it's coming from taxes paid by the deep blue states. And I've expressed that as a top priority, what I believe should be a top priority to Mississippi lawmakers. We should be constantly paying attention to that ratio, to that figure, and figuring out and devising policy that would boost our economic output, our prosperity, and thus our share of the federal taxes. Now, that's not to say I'm for more federal taxes, because I'm not. So I totally understand that. We're also seeing, of course, Jeff, the state of California, which, by the way, I love. I just hate the left-wing policies. I love the state. And I've done business with lots of people and spent a lot of time out there. It's the center of the technology industry. It's, it's fabulous in that respect. But the government's ruining it, man. Certainly you see that. It's the government dumb policies are disastrous. So a short two years ago, an $80 billion surplus, by the way, the, fed, uh, the, the state budget for the state of California, is around $100 billion a year. Contrast that to Mississippi, where it's six. And that, that kind of adds up when you look at the difference in the population. It lines up with that. This year, they're running a $21 billion deficit. They couldn't accept the surplus they had. They couldn't bear the thought of either sending that back to the taxpayers, putting it away for a rainy day. No, no, no. They had to enact all these stupid left-wing equity policies and shoved all that money out the door, and now they're upside down. So I, I give credit to the state of California and other blue states for their historical economic progress. There's no doubt about it. My concern is that left-wing policies are destroying these once great states in this country, and we're all being impacted by it. And at one time, when agriculture was king in this country, major industry, in the 1930s, by the way, and you guys can check me on this, about 30% of our population were involved in the agriculture industry. I think now it's like less than three. But yet we produce more food. And why is that? Human innovation. Human ingenuity. Dang sure wasn't the government. Heck no, they did everything they could to stand in the way of that, to inhibit that. So, happy to talk about that all day long. Honestly, I'm clear-eyed about it. I don't think like you I are. Like I said, David, defend it because it's their team. I got it. We're stepping aside for a break as the great Kenny Loggins and Steve Perry bumping us out with Don't Fight It, one of my favorite tunes. Coming back with Kelly Bennett, multimedia journalist, Super Talk Mississippi News. 
talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Middays from the Element Wealth Studios. Joining us now, multimedia journalist with Super Talk Mississippi News, Kelly Bennett. Breaking news. There you go. Breaking news. I don't know news. what to do when I hear that sound or that it's not in the middle of a newscast. Hey, how are you doing? Great. I'm good. I was really interested in your uh, advice on that guy bringing up his credit score. Yeah. That was cool stuff. Thanks for that. I learned from that. Yeah. 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 You bet. And, you know, I I have to say that uh, I I started getting into that about 20 years ago when I was going through the same process, looking to uh, build a house and and borrow money to do so, and was just looking to make sure that I could uh, receive the uh, most advantageous mortgage interest rate. And so I started really digging into my, my credit report and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and then how I could make my credit score even, even better, even higher. And there's a lot of nuances there that I guess aren't widely known and understood. And that's why there's a whole industry around educating people about that and counseling people, working with them. But it's, uh, it's often well, not you. what people think. Yeah, I'm one of those fortunate souls who has all their debts paid off, yeah. and I got rid of my credit cards years ago. Right. <laughs> so I was listening to what you were saying, going, "Oh wow, I'm not really doing myself any favors." Apparently, like yeah, that's yeah. unfortunately that won't get you a good a good credit score. Uh, it's it's worth you know you're entitled to free credit reports in accordance with federal law. It's worth going out and checking that out. Uh, you could probably go do a, a trial free one, I suggest going to myfico.com and uh, checking it out. I suggest that to everybody. See where you are. But uh, So I appreciate the feedback there. Tell us what's going on. First, uh, this kind of bizarre situation where an inmate escaped from the Raymond, Mississippi Detention Center. Tell us about that. Yeah, and I was actually anchoring the state newscast when this was going on, so I was trying really hard to get the latest updated information on And first of all, we've got some good news. So the investigator that was shot during the standoff has been released from the hospital. He's back home. His name is Jerry Horn, and he actually got a police escort back to Lee County. Uh, Dylan Arrington met, I guess you would call it a a sad end. I don't know how you, I don't want to. Do I want to say sad to a bad guy who has killed somebody? I mean, well, you know what I mean. I'm kind of like a sad situation. Loss of word. life. Loss of life is is always something that we should feel sad, sor- sorry about. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So he had been in. He had been on the run for quite some time, and they they found out he was in Lee County earlier this week, and it ended in a shootout. Uh, the house he took cover in ended up catching on fire 
which that was really unusual to somebody who's been doing news as long as I have. I've never seen That's weird. the house catch fire after a shootout. Yeah. So they did get another one of these four detainees in Texas yesterday, 51-year-old Jerry Rains. We've got two more escapees that are still on the loose. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, we've also got a, a story this week about a potential uh, parolee. And I don't know, Kelly, that I can remember seeing so much controversy about parole being granted to those incarcerated in Mississippi as I have over the last year. Here we have another situation that's gotten a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Well, I think a lot of us would like to see them leave the violence offenders in jail and not parole them. So this gentleman, uh, James Williams III, committed a double murder at the age of 17, and he was due to be paroled on May 16th. And we had a couple of guests on this week, and I think there may be a happy ending to this story. So let me go back to the front. Hmm. Uh, members of the parole board actually took some time Tuesday to hear out the family um, they had apparently missed a parole board hearing, Gerard, hmm. that they say they never received a notice of. And as a result, the parole board decided to let this guy go. Wow. Um, and I'd like to think that since there was so much coverage of this story, that helped them get the parole board to see them on Tuesday and maybe rethink this hmm. decision. But he had been incarcerated since 2002 he killed his father and stepmother, and apparently the parole board just felt like he had been rehabilitated. Apparently, he's been working as a Christian minister in the prison system, so hmm. we'll see. Yeah. We're waiting to see if they reach a different decision after this. Interesting. So, the NFL draft has been going on this week, and... Uh, at least some people in the state of Mississippi got some pretty good news. Tell us about that. Yeah, Mississippi State defensive back Emmanuel Forbes was selected by the Washington Commanders with the number 16 pick in the NFL draft Thursday night. I know this is big news, and I'm not really a big sports person. I count <laughs> on the guys in the newsroom <laughs> to keep me up to date with what's going on in sports. Sure. But the NFL draft, uh, more of it begins at 6 o'clock tonight. I think it's over tomorrow. Yep. And you've got Ole Miss wide receiver Jonathan Mingo waiting to hear his name called. Yeah, so, seems so. like he's uh, set to be the first uh, person, per first player from uh, Ole Miss drafted. And then a Good Morning America makes the trip to Rolling Fork, Mississippi, site of some devastating tornadoes that ripped through about a month ago. Give us the info there. Yeah, I think we can all be thankful that Robin Roberts, who's on Good Morning America, is a Mississippi native. So yeah. she pays attention to what's going on in this state, and you're always thankful for that. From what I understand, she's a really nice person, too. Uh, but basically, they came to Rolling Fork, one of the many cities that were really decimated by these tornadoes, and they started showing uh, viewers, you know, the damage, and, and um, I think it's kind of neat. We did a story on this this week, speaking of the tornadoes. There's a gentleman with uh, seven days for the troops, Scott Burns. 
He's raising money for a 90-year-old Korean War veteran that lost his home in the tornadoes. Now, listen to this guy's story. Uh, he was sitting in his living room recliner with his dog in his lap. The storm picked up his house, turned it a couple of inches, and then set it over about six inches. Can you imagine <laughs> sitting through that? Wow. So uh, they're trying to buy him a tiny house these nonprofit organizations gotcha. and they only need fifteen thousand dollars more and let me tell you what a worthy cause right my dad's a, a vietnam vet i that's hold a special place in my heart if you'd like to help out this gentleman please log on to supertalk.fm yeah that's where you get the details awesome and then we've got contestants on american idol mississippi rich with talent yes. and uh some are doing pretty well there Tell us about that. Yeah, so you've got Colin Stow, who did this amazing rendition of Dancing on My Own. It was just him and an acoustic guitar uh, on on the show Monday night. Yeah. He's from Gatman, which, which, from what I understand, is right outside of Amory, which is where our other contestant right. is from, Zachariah Smith. And he did Toto's Hold the Line. I know you're a rock fan. And I love Toto. Did you see that? Did you hear that? I did. I love Toto, I love the and I love the song. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really good. So they'll be back and they're gonna need your votes and that show wears again Sunday night at seven o'clock. Then you've got um Holly, Holly Brand on yep. the voice, and she has moved up as well, and that's coming up Monday night at uh, 7 o'clock on NBC if you want to catch the Mississippi talent. Man, Man they're so talented. Mississippians yeah. are something else in that regard. So you wanted to also talk about the distinction in the network and the news organization at Supertop. Yes. What about that? Well, there's a big difference between a talk show and a news department. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the distinction is, is pretty obvious. You're more opinion-based on our shows that we run, you on Middays, and then Paul Gallo and all the other great shows that we have on the Super Talk Network. But while y'all are all doing that, you've got a news team in the, in the background creating, producing, writing, researching, and basically doing news the uh, state news, it's state-focused, it, that's distributed to about 50 radio stations across wow. the state of Mississippi. Gotcha. Yeah. Makes total sense. And there's a newsletter. There's a newsletter that comes out every Friday, kind of give you a, a weekend review. Just log on to it's good stuff. I read it all the time. It's good yeah. stuff. Kelly, appreciate you coming on. Take care. Talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend, y'all. You too. Coming right back in the Element Wealth Studios. Stay with us. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. We are back. 
back in the Element Well Studios. Philip in Walthall County says the deceased inmate in Leake County might have fired his weapon through or near a flammable curtain, which could have ignited the fire. Okay. It's a possibility. Yeah. I will say I underestimated the issue of abortion in 22. I won't do that again, says Ben from Madison. I think that factored in quite a bit. I really do. And it's going to, again, it, it's a tough one that, in my view, that the country is, is torn apart on this. And we can't, again, reach a consensus on even defining the issue. Because what the left calls reproductive rights, and we looked it up the other day, the National Organization from Women, I think maybe the first bona fide feminist group in the country. Um, they describe it as reproductive justice. And on the right, those that are pro-life see that baby in the womb as a human being and believe it should be protected. But on the left, and, and you've seen some of these confrontations on college campuses where it's prevalent, where you get these these, these uh, liberal Karens, if you will, that will confront pro-life speakers. They, they attend these events just to disrupt them. Kind of like the trans people attended the Riley Gaines event at San Francisco University. Just to disrupt it, cause problems, be uncivil, to get their dang attention. That's all that's about. You make that point all the time, accurately, I believe. But these Karens on the college campuses, I mean, to them, it's just a blob of cells and tissue. They simply do not accept that that baby in the womb is a human being. They don't accept that. And, that, and that's wherein the conflict lies and the controversy and why we're so split on this matter. You know, they, they talk about protecting the rights of the, the pregnant person. We can't call it a pregnant woman, right? We get canceled for that these days. They see it as protecting that right, no regard for that baby they're carrying around in their womb. And it seems like all this talk, like Jeff, fighting fascism. Well, what about that baby in the womb there, Jeff? He's a hero in his own mind. <laughs> no, I think if you remove all the political talking points, all the partisanship, and just look at the law. If you murder a pregnant woman, you are charged with two counts of homicide. We have no way of knowing whether or not that mother was going to abort that child or not. And you're charged with two counts because it's two lives taken. How is it any different to do the same thing to yourself? Well, that's what I would call an inconsistency. That doesn't exist in uh, Washington, though, does it? No, no. <sighs> yeah, I I agree. But we we 
clearly can't reach any sort of consensus on this matter. And it does get people fired up. And there's no doubt about that. On both sides, honestly. I mean, in a hostile, vitriolic fashion. That's what just blows me away. You see these 21-year-old females at these events on college campuses, and they just go irate. And it's a profane-laced yelling fest. It's just unbelievable, honestly. It's The whole deal is just sad, is kind of the way I look at it. And it's a, it's a, a deep concern. But the polls clearly show, and this isn't anything new, they, they've been trending this way for quite some time, that roughly 60% of the country believes there ought to be some access. Now, there's all kinds of nuances there to that. When you start getting over, what is it, the, is it 15 weeks, I think? I think it, when they do polls, when you, when you go beyond 15 weeks, there's some gestation period that you, that you exceed. Then it reverses. Then there's not broad support. There's broad opposition. So it's like people are comfortable up to a point, and then after that point, no, you shouldn't. But the blue states are busy enacting legislation that would essentially allow it on demand. Uh, These are the same people that tell us we should model our systems after Europe, but even in Europe, abortions are banned pretty much across the board up to 20 weeks. There are some countries it's up to 10 weeks, some's up to 14 weeks, some's up to 13 weeks, but the vast majority of Europe does not allow late-term abortion. It's true. That's a good point. I, I totally agree. But I'm also concerned about this casual use of this fascism. Well, it's just horse hockey, honestly. So, if you believe in protecting life in the womb, you're a fascist. Will you please explain how that makes sense? It doesn't. If you believe that in order to vote in this country, you ought to have to prove, A, who you are, and B, that you qualify to vote. You're, you're valid as a voter. So just simply stipulating that is considered fascist in the end of democracy. Isn't it just the opposite? That by putting policies in place, rules in place, to ensure that votes are, are valid and accurately accounted for? It seems to me like that's counter to fascism. If you believe that we are a sovereign nation, that we should have borders that are secure, and we shouldn't just allow people to walk across it as they see fit, especially given the, the heinous activities that are occurring to get these people into the country, these human traffickers. It's unbelievable. There's all kinds of reports of Toddlers just being dumped, just wandering around. 
And if you oppose that, where's AOC going there and crying for that? Remember the fake tears? They're in cages. The photo shoot at the gate that was supposed to be a fence. What a fraud. But if you if you want to get control of our borders, you're a fascist. To paraphrase Shakespeare, the Democrats protest too much, methinks. <laughs> If you want to see criminals who hurt people and take other people's stuff taken off the streets so they can't keep doing that, well, you're a fascist. And if you want people to enjoy the rewards of risk and effort, and most importantly, creating value for society that you think they're better suited to make decisions about how to spend and invest their money than is a government of a, full of a bunch of selfish politicians? Well, then you're a fascist. And I honestly think the reason they don't want, don't want even want to talk about the debt ceiling bill that McCarthy is proposing that includes various reasonable, rational spending cuts, I think they don't want to because the only thing they got to offer that I can tell that gets people to the polls and keeps them in their camp is redistributing through the largest through the Byzantine structure of government. That's what keeps people on the hook. And they know if that comes to an end, and there's nothing noble, virtuous, creative, productive about just spending money you don't have. And that's what they're doing. Look what we did for you. Pay no attention to that $31 trillion of debt and $1.75 trillion deficit in store for us this year. No, no, no. Pay no attention to that. Look over here. Look at all that I did for you. Vote for me. By the way, Biden refusing to budge on the debt ceiling talks. Do you know that spending adjustments, namely decreases, have been incorporated in debt ceiling negotiations 11 times in our history? And guess who was the chief negotiator in the Senate on behalf of the Democrats? Joe Biden. Of course. Hey, Jeff, where are you? Three. Days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Light folks say they're about to hit us with a big old marketing blitz to try to counter the loss of sales from using Dylan Mulvaney to promote their product. I don't think it's going to work. What I think the only path they have to try to win back some of their base is to just come out and apologize. Just say, but then they would tick off all the loudmouths on the left. 
Right. But they would probably restore a lot of who are their customers. It's my belief. But that's why all these other corporations are getting woke insurance is to avoid the loudmouths on the left clogging up their phone lines and ruining their online reputation. Because, by God, the corporations got to walk lockstep with the dumb leftist mentality. That's absolutely true. It's what it's all about. Because I believe behind the closed doors, they don't want to do it. I really do. I, I think they know it's destructive, it's harmful, it's expensive. Because of all these consultants out shaking them down with all this crap. And then they thrust that on their, their staffs. And it, it costs a lot to build these sprawling DEI organizations. But guess where you won't find a lot of DEI departments? HBCUs. There are 80 in the country. Well, 80 that have been surveyed as to whether or not they have an official DEI department. Only 16 do. Wait, I thought the whole purpose of DEI was to make organizations look like America. Haven't you heard that refrain? Right? It's what Joe said. My cabinet's got to look like America. Corporations, they cite that line as well. Do you think HBCUs look like America? I can tell you, they don't. They're not very diverse. Now, I'm not being critical. See, here's I'm using their line, their logic, their agenda. I don't care. That's just the point. I don't care. Run your college however you want. Doesn't matter. Discharge your function. That's to educate young people and, and turn them into, prepare them to be productive adult citizens in their life post-college. That's all that matters. I don't care. That's what they don't get. But they tell us we got to care. And you got to force this one and that one and this one and that one. Oh, that college education, that's secondary. It's the same thing that the, the transgender sports advocates tell us. Well, fair competition is secondary to inclusivity. Same deal here. It's, it's incredible that, think about it. The more white liberal colleges, that's where you find most of these DEI departments. It's the elite K-12 public schools. We, Gosh, right off the bat, remember two years ago in, in the wake of the George Floyd incident, we started seeing all these stories because it was being leaked by parents whose children were going to these $50,000 a year high schools in the big cities, and they're teaching them, Oh, you're a white person? Well, you're automatically, by default, an oppressor and a racist, and you've got to sign this resolution here that you accept that. By the way, we don't call the parents, and the nuclear family's bad, and America's evil and wicked, and here's a whole new guide for the words you got to use, and here's some drag queens to come in and conduct story hour for you. That's, that's where it all happens. It's, it's in the realm 
of these elitist white liberals that play proxy for those whom they claim to be champions for. Yet somehow have the lowest possible expectations of. Exactly. Just assume. Same thing. Jeff in Forest County says he has problems with the voter ID. Nobody cares about that. Really? Nobody cares about voter ID? Hmm. Nobody cares that when a person arrives at the polls, it doesn't even have to be arrived at the polls, even if they vote by mail or absentee in the state of Mississippi, for example, that they're a valid voter? That they can prove whom they are? In Mississippi, you have to show a photo ID, right, to authenticate you're who you are? Nobody cares about that? I don't know. I do. Do you? I think most people do. So I don't know where you're getting that from. He says make legal voter ID $5. Huh? Believe you can get them for free. What was what, what he talking about there? I believe he's lost the plot Also, the last text. Also said the GOP doesn't want 18 to 20-year-olds to vote. Who said that? Jeff Man, did. You're making mind. stuff up, Jeff. I'm telling you. Rob Strawman to the rescue. <laughs> Coming up after Fox News and Super Talk News. Welcome to the show that challenges you to think deeply, to think deeply. and look beyond political posturing. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Hour three of Middays, live from the Element Wealth Studios, the afternoon portion of the show on this Friday, y'all. Joining us now, Rob Sigler, opinion contributor, Super Talk Mississippi News. Rob, good afternoon. Good to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. Got a little feedback, I think, Rhino's working on there. So, you recently penned an article... Uh, Rob, on child abuse. And it's published in uh, Super Talk Mississippi News on our news site. And it's entitled, It's Time We Stop Ignoring Child Abuse. This was just published, I believe, a couple of days ago. So, And you, and you talk about in the article some, uh, some experience with some, some friends that you had that uh, had some bad child abuse situations. Are we ignoring it? I mean, because you say it's time we stop ignoring it. Why do you think we are, and how do we we put more focus on this? Uh, it's it's heinous, honestly. Well, if you look at the numbers, um, it, it seems to be an issue that uh, it's getting worse than better. Um, if you look at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services numbers, latest numbers that came out, which were from 2021, more than 600,000 children were victims of abuse in that one year that's 600,000 children and to me that's that's astronomical and uh, unfathomable that we have that many children in this nation who are victims of abuse in one way or another and um, why that is is a, there's a, a plethora of reasons why that is um, I'm not an expert 
I'm just a guy that spent 30 years in journalism and had to report on these type of issues, it seemed like, on a constant basis. Um, so I'm, there, there are tons of issues as to why we have so much abuse in this country involving children. And uh, I think there are other aspects of that abuse that lead to other issues, such as the gun violence issue I wrote about last month. Uh, I believe, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an expert, but I believe that you know, child abuse, if a child is not uh, nurtured properly when they're younger, can lead to other issues such as crime and violence when they become teenagers and, and young adults and, and, and turn to gun violence. So I think the issues are, are both um, connected in a way. Um, but as far as uh, ignoring the issue, um, I think uh, people have a tendency to turn the other way when they suspect or um, uh, just ignore it altogether. I talked to a, a, a retired doctor friend of mine. She read my column and she uh, pointed out the fact that um, people have a tendency to believe the parent or the abuser more than they do the child who's reporting that they're being abused. Uh, for one reason or another, and I, I think we need to take a serious look at at um, why this issue is so prevalent in our country. Yeah, six hundred thousand nationwide. How does that extrapolate, or, or are there any figures with respect to the state of Mississippi and the number of cases? I, I don't have the exact numbers on Mississippi, but I'm sure they probably are, are close to that national average. Um, we. The report that you um, uh, mentioned about the, the child abuse that took place with a friend, friend of mine um, happened just a few years ago, and um, that that's you know was fortunately the, the the young child who was you know three three or four years old at the time has developed into a, a fine um, young man that's um, um, about to be a teenager here pretty soon. And you know he's he's dealt with the, the scars of the abuse itself, but the the mental aspect is is something that you know that trauma of what he's got to deal with is probably something that he'll have to deal with for a long time, and that's unfortunate. Um, we had a recent case here down here on the Mississippi Gulf Coast of a five-year-old who was um, abused uh, earlier this month, and uh, didn't didn't have such a, a, a an outcome a fortunate outcome as, as this young boy I was referring to uh, this young man this five-year-old passed away um, and it was at the hands of an, of an adult uh, living in his household and um, if you look at the number 77 percent I saw this um, during my during research for my for my column 77 percent of abuse is at the hands of the parent of the parent not not somebody that's just calling out kids on, online and, and luring them into know situation that's that's bad we're talking about the parent the person that they look up to the person who's supposed to be taking care of this child is the one that's doing the abuse 77 percent is 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 just unfathomable to me I can imagine yeah. um, that, that number I mean as, as a parent as a dad as a father um, it just it, hurt, it hurts my heart right so when when these cases uh, become known and uh, the investigation's done, and it's determined, as you said, in 77% of the situations that this abuse is being committed by the uh, biological parents. What, what are we learning about what seems to be causing, driving these parents uh, just to take up abusing their child like that, their own flesh and blood? 
What's causing it? What's the root cause? That, that's a good question. I wish I knew what that was. I, I, I imagine, and I think, you know, a lot of statistics would show that um, it's a generational thing. Um, you know, people who are abused as children are abusers as an adults. Um, those statistics, you know, are, are, are out there about that. Yeah. Um, it, it's a situation, Gerard, that I, I think that um, people need to take a strong look at as, uh, you know, mental health professionals, you know, doctors, all of that. A lot of times these children wind up in foster care, and uh, that's, that's an issue all unto itself because, uh, you know, if there's a case that comes out where uh, it's suspected of being child abuse, then that child is taken from the home and placed in foster care. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a serious situation. My, my younger brother and his wife are foster parents, and they fostered young children. Um, and the stories that they could tell me about what these kids went through is horrific. Um, fortunately, you know, um, they, they have a younger son who is also a foster parent. Him and his wife decided mm. that they wanted to follow in the footsteps of their parents, and they are adopting two young boys. And um, um, I applaud them for doing that. So uh, I think more people need to step up and become foster parents. I think uh, as a community, as, um, as, as a nation, we really need to um, do more to advocate for the care of children who are abused uh, on a daily basis. Yeah, um, sure. A report from Child Abuse Organization said that um, every 10 seconds in the U.S., there's a report of child abuse. Oh, yeah. and four, between four and seven uh, are lost every day to child abuse. And, and that's just... These numbers are, are just numbers to you, to you and I, and you know most folks. But you know you have to take a look at it and say that these these are real children. These are real people that are harmless that are being harmed by by adults. Unbelievable. So, do you think our our laws are strong enough? Uh, uh, certainly, in in reading your article, uh, Rob, the folks, adults that commit these crimes. Uh, they can be prosecuted, go to jail. Doesn't seem like it's a sufficient deterrent. Maybe they just don't think about that or don't think they'll ever get caught, and they just continue to, to act and behave that way. Is there something we need to do from a, a judicial, a law enforcement, a legal perspective, kind of maybe beef up the punishment? Right, right. I think the, the punishment has to fit the crime. I, I, I think that uh, the only the only way people are punished is if the uh, the case is, is put out there. A lot of these cases, you know, don't go to, to that level. Yeah. Um, the young boy who passed away earlier this month, uh, the person who abused him is facing a capital murder charge, and you know, that's about the only way that you're going to get uh, a conviction in these types of situations. You know. Who knows how many cases are go unreported each year uh, of child abuse for one reason or another, and um, uh, but I, I think the laws need to be more stringent. Um, I'm not a you know expert on what laws uh, are out there, um, but I'm sure that that they could be more stringent as far as um, um, taking care of these children and uh, making sure that they're taken care of. You stated the article to me. It's the most atrocious crime that can be committed. Nothing angers me more than for someone to harm the harmless. I, I agree with you, honestly. That it, it rips my heart out when I see that. And and we feel I feel so helpless. Like what can I do? 
to prevent this. Got about 30 seconds left, but uh, spot on, Rob. Your thoughts on that before we go? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, you're exactly right. We need to do more for for the advocacy of children uh, in this country and in, in our state and in our communities, and we have to do that in our own community above as communities to to make sure this doesn't happen to our children. Absolutely. Appreciate you uh, highlighting this uh, important issue, uh, Rob, and bringing it to our attention. We need to stay focused on that and and stop all this nonsense. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Thanks. Coming right back in the Element Well Studios. This program. Gerard Gibbert. Here we go. This is huge, huge, huge news. Huge, huge, huge news. Huge. You need to listen to this. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk, Mississippi. With you on the in the Element Well Studios, I should say. It is middays. So <laughs> I just saw an article that uh, there is a transgender actress that says that she does not want to be considered for awards. Because there's not a category that uh, matches her gender, his gender, its gender. So, okay. Um, uh, I mean, why? It's is good this, for you, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, what does that mean exactly? It means pay attention to me. I probably wasn't going to win, so I'm going to get my name in the papers anyways. <laughs> it does seem like that. Oh, gosh. It, I just keep wondering every day I come in here and I see all this stuff and, and read about it, see it, hear about it. What? How did we get here? I, I know I, I say that over and over again, but it's the truth. How in the world did we get here? I... I can't figure it out. I'll let somebody else figure out that's a lot smarter than me, I guess. But we are, uh, that's just the way it is. I guess that some people just want to call attention to themselves. I think you're right about that. I really do. I think it's all about getting attention and calling attention to yourself. Uh, I got the teaser on the article, now I've lost it, I'm trying to figure out just who it is, was, that came out and said that. Seems crazy to me. But there's a lot of stuff that's going on this crazy, for sure. The Federal Reserve Bank, 
now says they know why Silicon Valley Bank <laughs> crashed. Gee, I'm pretty sure we said this right when this happened, that it was incompetence on the part of management, mismanagement, in putting social agenda ahead of sound business and financial practices vis-a-vis -vis running a bank. Maybe that had something to do with it. And so the Fed, about a month later, a little over that, I guess, has woken up and said, yeah, it looks like this place was mismanaged. And, you know, we called out, where were the Fed regulators in San Francisco? They're supposed to keep tabs on this stuff. Where uh, were their financial auditors? Where were those guys? KPMG's been their auditor since, I think we looked it up, 94? I mean, you, you issue an unqualified opinion, basically, when, when the auditor produces a financial report on a public company, the main thing you look for is what's called the opinion, and they are required by law, by regulation, to render an opinion. An unqualified opinion means we don't have any problems with the financial statements as presented here. A qualified means, well... We're okay, except you need to know about these issues, these anomalies, and take that into consideration, third parties who consume these financial statements. And, and then you've got what's called a going concern opinion, and that it is what it implies that we're not sure this place is going to be around much longer. But they issued a, a clean, what's called a clean opinion, an unqualified opinion, saying, this place is great, good to go. Here's accurate financial statements. We don't see any problems. We're satisfied with the report. And then a short three months later, the place crashes. <laughs> they got some splaining to do. This is really shortcomings on the part of both the Fed, in my view, the regulators, and their third-party audit firm. And I just wonder if it was fear that if they called them out, you'd have the woke nuts coming out of the woodwork. You're only doing that because they're loaning money to green energy companies that got no chance of ever making money, but they're social justice warriors. They're putting their ESG money where their ESG mouth is. Pay no attention to the fact that that's not financially sustainable. I just wonder. I really do. Were they fearful of that? Just like you said, all these companies with these DEI organizations and all these programs and policies and efforts and training and using transgender spokespeople to promote their products and stuff like that is all in an effort to, that's that woke insurance, as I call it, to, to keep the the mob out of your hair. Check that box. Well, which it's the woke mob that likes to call all of their opponents fascists. Although <laughs> that's true. By definition, they're utilizing fascist tactics. Hmm. Let's look at the Encyclopedia Britannica's understanding of the ideology of fascism. The philosophy of a fascist government stresses the primacy and glory of the state, i.e. the government, 
Which side loves more government? Hmm. <laughs> we'll move on to the next part. Unquestioning obedience to its leader. Hmm. The side that voted for a mentally incompetent fool. Hmm. <laughs> we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> Subordination of the individual will to the state's authority. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Who likes to subject themselves to the will of the government? And then the final piece, the facet of fascism, harsh suppression of dissent. Wow. Well, so gosh. who are the fascists now, Jeff? We could probably spend a week running down all the examples of that from the left. Uh, let's just start with public schools, school board meetings, where parents stand to address the school boards and redress them for concerns they have about foisting radical content. And see, the problem is the left doesn't think teaching kindergartners about sexual orientation and gender identity is radical, inappropriate. So you're a fascist if you think it's inappropriate to fill your libraries up with books that feature sexually explicit content in an elementary school. You're a fascist. You're a fascist if you don't want those schools to teach children that America is wicked and evil and that the nuclear family is an element of European colonization white supremacist, or that you really don't agree with this idea that keeping a tidy kitchen and pantry is sexist, racist, and classist. It's that sort of stuff, just for starters here. You're a fascist if you resist that ideology, that philosophy, and it's being foisted on our children. That's what just kills me. Innocent children. Why do they have to be your little subject pawns? That's fascist. you got to do this. It's in the best interest of the state. Or you want parents to sign some resolution pledge, I am a white supremacist racist. Or you can't go to school. Right? Or you're a fascist if you object to outcomes being based on physical immutable attributes. You get hired, you get promoted, you get compensated, you are admitted for something that you're uh, competing with others for? Well, that's fascism. Or if you believe in the concept of performance-based evaluation and grading and standards, well, you're a fascist. We can't do that. No more grades. Nothing based on performance. Or if you oppose the idea that people who responsibly handle their financial affairs pay higher mortgage rates than people who don't. And you're being forced by government to subsidize the people who don't. Oh, well, you're a fascist if you oppose that. I beg to differ. That is, I think, a fairly blatant example of fascism. That is using finance and an agency of government Right? To achieve some social objective. That's exactly what that is. That, my friends, 
is fascism in all its glory right there. It benefits the state, the community. It's, com it's a communal. That is the essence of fascism. Not individual responsibility or individual benefit based on individual production. Coming right back. Gerard Gibbert, going beyond the headlines, breaking down the stories that matter to Mississippi. Middays with Gerard on Super Talk Mississippi. So, I found it. The um, non-binary Yellow Jackets actor. What's Yellow Jackets? I'm not familiar with that. Must be a show. Yeah. Liv Hewson has informed Variety that they, not she, they, mind you, will not be submitting their performance for Emmy consideration this year due to the award show's reliance on gendered categories. Houston plays teenage Van Palmer on the show Yellow Jackets. Okay, it's, it airs on Showtime. She's barely in the main cast. Pro you're probably right. Got no she chance. She was a recurring role in season one and became a member of the main cast in season two. Okay. She's next to last in the list of, of the main cast. Th this sounds awfully similar to swimmer Leah Thomas, who was like number 463 out of like 468 or something like that, and then decides to go swim against All-American Riley Gaines and other bona fide biological females and takes on the gold. Becomes the NCAA national champion. This is what this sounds like. Oh, but do you think that it's fascism, for example, to force, thinking about this, to force little girls young females to have to dress in the same locker room with, like, teenage males? Because that's what's happening. To compete with them in sports. I call that fascism. You see, they're forcing. That's what they don't get. What the left says is, no, it's fascism if you don't allow the males to participate in the female sports. And by the way, use the same bathroom in locker rooms as the girls. No, it's just the opposite. There's like another side to that equation. It's the same thing in the abortion argument. Now there's something else going on here. There's another being at play. The same deal here. It's the exact same deal. But if you don't let that dude change in front of the little girl, then the federal government will withhold your money. That's exactly right. That's what they're telling us. Hmm, that stinks an awful lot of fascism. Yeah. How about 
Randy Weingartner, who's trying to cover her tracks now, she being head of the Dear largest Lord, teachers. She's full of it. Man, it's ridiculous. Oh, no. I wanted to open the schools. That is horse hockey. She was doing a shakedown. Said, we're not opening the schools unless we get, like, gazillions of dollars for all kinds of stupid crap you didn't need to start with. Remember that? we got to have new HVAC systems and all sorts of other stuff they thought was going to... Masks and um, uh, test kits. And I can't even remember her long laundry list of demands before we open the schools up, we can't make the teachers go back and, I don't know, teach the kids. And we're failing in these big American cities. They're graduating from high school. They can't read, they can't write, and they can't do math. Oh, but by God, they know about the pronouns and the bathrooms and how evil and wicked the country is. But yet again, another example of double standards for Democrats and their allies. She got in front of Congress and lied, she lied, did. lied, but will face no consequences. She, she absolutely did. She absolutely did. I totally agree. We got some sound here for you from Hakeem Jeffries regarding the uh, GOP debt ceiling bill. This reckless Republican effort to lead us down the road of a dangerous default will hurt working families, hurt the middle class, hurt all those Americans who aspire to be part of the middle class, hurt young people, hurt seniors, hurt veterans, hurt the poor, the sick, and the afflicted, hurt people in urban America, in rural America, in exurban America, in small town America, in Appalachia, in the heartland of America, hurt the least, the lost, and the left behind, the extreme MAGA Republican default on America Act will hurt everyday Americans. Why? Because you want to jam your reckless, extreme ideology down the throats of the American people. Oh, it's the Default on America Act now. Yeah. You, you see, you want to rein in spending and at least start approaching some fiscal sanity so that we don't spend more than we take in and eliminate the massive amount of waste, fraud, and abuse in government. Oh, that's extreme MAGA. That's where we are. So I would argue that fascism is we're going to go shake down the people who produce the most in society from a financial perspective. We're going to shake them down, filter a little bit off the top for ourselves, and then send it out the door on the other side of the building so they'll keep putting us in power and I can stand in front of the country and make these dumb speeches. That, my friends, is fascism. If you think about it, spending money you don't have, racking up the debt, causing inflation, simply so that you can stay in power, is that not fascism? I think that's like the definition of it, right there. You're using the government largesse for your own, your own personal benefit. Because you didn't produce that money. You just shook somebody else down. You didn't produce squat, Hakeem Jeffries. He thinks he's so clever. Default on America Act. But that's extreme MAGA if you simply want to rein in spending.
that the only approach they ever envision is more shakedown. And of course, it's always wrong. It, at least when you cut spending, it's definitive. But when you raise tax rates, for example, which is what they want to do, and eliminate deductions and you know do all these other take all these other actions on, on tax policy, they never produces the income they think. Ever. Now, somebody on here said that, um, I'm looking for it, were unhappy about the Republicans. Uh, help me find that. Yeah, did it. I'm, I, I'm looking for it. But bottom line is, we were told, the, the texter said, that if we just flip the house, things would be hunky-dory, and uh, we would get uh, all these great things would happen. Oh, that's Leon. Yeah, Leon, yeah. I'm a conservative Republican. My question is, why do the Republicans always talk a big game but never deliver? All I heard was about the wonderful changes going to be made when they took over the House. Specifically what, though, Leon? What changes did they promise? Because the value of flipping the House was stopping the Biden agenda in its tracks. Because there's way more destruction planned. It, it, but I know that folks, it, and we predicted this on the show, I said, I'm telling you, we'll celebrate the fact that it flipped, and in a few months, everybody will be mad because they'll say, oh, we can't get anything done. You can't get anything done because you've only got, you've only got one half of one-third of government. What can you get done other than block the other side's agenda? You can't get, you can't repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. You can't repeal all the other bad policies. He says, no articles of impeachment. I mean, you could do that, but it's not going anywhere. Leon, you'd be mad because, okay, they dropped the articles of impeachment, and then it'd, it'd go through the House, and we'd spend all this time and money with all these hearings, and then it'd go over to the Senate, and it would go nowhere. And then everybody be mad and said, well, we didn't impeach the president, because we don't have the power. I believe focusing on economic matters is the best way to engender votes. And votes are needed to get control. When you get control, then you can do a whole lot more. But right now, the fact is, government is divided. Nobody has control. I consider that somewhat of a victory, and that you've put a stop to the radical left agenda, because it would just keep on pushing forward if there weren't a guardrail, a, guardrail, a firewall, and that firewall is control of the House. Problem is, all this other stuff that they implement through executive order, through the agency level, this gross overreach, such as these new mortgage rules going into effect on May 1st. That's not by congressional authority. That's just Joe Biden swiping a pen. It's the old Barack Obama. I've got a pen and a phone. We got the final segment coming uh, on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Gerard Gibbert. 
He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s, Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk Mississippi. So something else I'd say to Leon's point, uh, and then I'll let you explain what's going on with the possible whistleblower that may achieve what Leon's looking for, which is impeachment of the president. I don't think we'll ever elect another president, I really don't, that isn't impeached by the other side, party, when they have control of the House. I I think it's just the way it's going to be from now on. We elect a president, and when, when the House typically flips historically at midterms if, if it's not uh, different even at, uh, in the first two years of the first term or the term of the president. It would be the first term, yeah. I think they're going to impeach. I really do. And it's because it just seems like that's what people want. Now, I think Biden and the Biden family are crooks, and in accordance with our law, Impeachment certainly could apply, and uh, at, a, at a minimum, it, it should for the Hunter Biden stuff. But you were talking about this whistleblower that really may blow the lid on this whole deal. Yeah, there was an IRS worker, an agent that is seeking whistleblower status. That came out about a week ago, and then it's all kind of gotten silent. But the allegation is that on Biden's orders, Merrick Garland has interfered with the IRS investigation of Hunter Biden. Yeah. So that's one thing that's still out there that could possibly rise to an impeachable offense. You also have the DOJ investigation in Hunter Biden, that his lawyers are talking to the DOJ about that investigation within the last three or four days, and the allegations that Joe Biden is hiding Hunter Biden at the White House to avoid getting served child support papers for his daughter in Arkansas. I think there's more coming. I really do. And uh, I know Keith and Baden says, I know one thing they promised to go after Hunter Biden. I ain't heard a word. And by the way, I don't know that I ever heard the speaker say that. I don't know that I remember him committing to that. He was way more focused on uh, some of those early bills that, of course, didn't go anywhere, and then and then this uh, this big economic bill, spending bill. He made it very clear that was a top high priority, and made it clear that repealing the funding of the eighty-seven thousand IRS agents that was a top deal. And as much as I, I'm like to see Hunter Biden be duly punished, and the president if they broke laws, I just think that's necessary to uphold our laws, the fact is, that ain't going to make me freer. It's not going to make me richer. It's not going to provide more opportunity. It's not going to make me safer. That's what I'm interested in. I think it's a shame that we ended up electing a person with all this baggage to start with. I mean, that shouldn't even be an issue if you think about it. How in the world do we get to the point where this country elects somebody that brings with them this legacy that's um, just a, a reputation that's sullied at best, right? It's questionable. 
And now we got to deal with this impeachment stuff. And it won't go anywhere, no, just like it did with Donald Trump. The Democrats invested a whole lot in that. Now, they may say, well, that's what kept the Senate force and avoided huge losses on the House. I don't know. I just don't think the average voter thinks about that. I think what they do think about is the cost of gas and groceries and their pay relative to that and their safety. I do think they're thinking about that and the crap they're trying to fill the brains of our kids with. Yeah, I think those are high-priority deals that we should focus on. It's exactly what got Youngkin elected in a blue state. He understood those frustrations. He capitalized on that. He delivered on it. But he's a governor. A little different. And uh, so now we have a situation where we got, again, one half of one-third of government. And they can pass, like, like the bill that would prohibit biological males from participating in female sports. Dead on arrival in the Senate. And, of course, the president made it clear he's not going to sign any such thing. So you could just keep throwing those bills at them, and you could get them on the record, and you can then use that in uh, campaigns, in, in your political efforts. And that's what they should do. It's a bit petty, but I, I can get behind it from Sheridan Brandon. The best thing about the Republicans taking back the House, not having to see or listen to Pelosi. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> I completely agree. That's true. Adam from Monticello says he wasn't elected. No one will convince me otherwise. I disagree, Adam. I really do. And you, you can certainly, you're entitled to your opinion. Uh, my, my opinion is that if we, don't, if we don't take stock of, if we don't recognize this country moving further to the left, I'm talking about in total population, and that, unfortunately, conservative ideals are coming in second to many of these leftist policies. We can just proceed at our own peril and continue to get our butts beat. Just look at Michigan, which Trump carried to get him into the White House in 16, going way left. And it's going to be a problem in 24. We'll be back with you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, and God bless everyone. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.